Should the International Criminal Court at The Hague investigate Israel for war crimes? Well, one Israeli thinks they should. I'm Bert Cohen, and with your help, we are keeping democracy alive. Check for pulse. Stand clear. Push to shock. There's a huge gap between public opinion and public policy that people don't feel that they can do very much. I speak tonight for the dig- dig- dignity of man. All countries have their own systems of justice, or I might say systems of alleged justice. What some governments or regimes would insist is just their carrying out of justice, other nations might find appalling. But we are all human, equally, none better or worse, all with equal rights, correct? So there is not, is there not a world standard of justice, something simple and recognizable as justice by everyone everywhere? Uh, Would that it were so. The most obvious example in history, the Nuremberg War Trials of Nazi criminals. There was a universally agreed upon standard by which those defendants were judged and punished. Their violations were unquestionable. But somehow, I'm sure the defendants didn't think so, but those convicted rarely accept their carrying out of justice when it is they who must pay the price. Today, we do have the International Criminal Court in The Hague. One case that was recently announced that is hardly without controversy is an investigation whose formal initiation was announced this year by ICC Chief Prosecutor Fatou Bansouda. The alleged perpetrator is the government of the state of Israel. As with so many trials in merely national courts, though the evidence may be solid, the verdict is hardly a slam dunk. Power politics is sure to intervene in the carrying out of what is supposed to be blind, unbiased, neutral justice. And one might make the assumption that all Jewish Israelis would be angry at the fact of an investigation into war crimes. But as our guest who are speaking with in Israel, Larry Durfner writes, quote, there is a natural resistance to saying that your country deserves to be investigated for war crimes. His article in Mondoweiss is titled simply and directly, Yes, The Hague is Right to Investigate Israel for War Crimes. Thank you so much for being with us, Larry Durfner. Thanks a lot, Bert. Nice to be here. Larry Durfner is an op-ed contributor to Haaretz and the author of the book No Country for Jewish Liberals. He was a columnist and feature writer for the Jerusalem Post, as well as correspondent in Israel for U.S. News and World Report for many years. He wrote feature articles for the Sunday Times of London during the Second Intifada and has been writing for American Jewish publications since 1990, and is author of an upcoming memoir, Playing Till We Have to Go, A Jewish Childhood in Inner City, Los Angeles. Well, again, thanks for being with us. What are the allegations that the ICC is looking into? For what specifically is the government of Israel being taken to The Hague? Um, well, what the, uh, the prosecutor said, the ones that she cited were, one, settlements, uh, two, um, you know, disproportionate use of force, and unlawful use of force in the 2014 uh, onslaught in Gaza, which was called Operation Protective Edge. And uh, let me see, there were settlements and 2014. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't remember. I'm freezing up. I can't remember the third one, but there is a third one. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the marches, the Gazan marches of return, 
when masses of Gazans came to the border right. uh, to protest uh, to protest their, their their situation, and the Israeli army killed about two hundred. Oh my! What about? Yeah. There's always the old argument but that went on for months. That went on for very months. Go ahead. Uh, I was just it thinking. Wasn't, it wasn't two hundred in one day. This went on for over months. Wow. Go ahead. What, what, there's always the argument, oh, it's just a few bad apples. It's not government policy. That was certainly used uh, with American uh, atrocities, shall we say, in Vietnam. It was just a few bad apples. What about that argument? That, surely that must have been used, no? Uh, in this case, uh, it can't be because you're talking about government policies. <clears throat> the settlement is a, settlements are a government policy. Uh, the 2014 war in Gaza was a, settle- was a government policy, and uh, the army's reaction to the marches of return in 2018 were a government policy. Ah, that's pretty clear. How, how, yeah. how are war crimes defined by the International Criminal Court at The Hague? Um, well, I can read them. Uh, one is willful killing. Another is torture or hu- inhuman treatment, including biological experiments. Wow. Third is willfully causing great suffering or serious injury to body or health. Fourth is extensive destruction and appropriation of property not justified by military necessity and carried out unlawfully and wantonly. A fifth is compelling a prisoner of war or other protected person, meaning a civilian, Mm -hmm. to serve in the forces of a hostile power. Mm. Another is willfully depriving a prisoner of war or other protected person, meaning a civilian, of the rights of fair and regular trial. Another is unlawful deportation or transfer of un- or unlawful confinement. Another is taking of hostages. Okay. Wow. Now that doesn't include the settlements, but there <clears throat> but there is another list that they call serious violations of the laws and customs applicable in international armed conflict. And the one here that applied the, the uh-huh. war crime that applies to the settlements is quote the transfer directly or indirectly by the occupying power of parts of its own civilian population into the territory it occupies. Oh, wow. Okay, that's very clear. Yeah. And I would say that of the ones, of the ones that I read before, the, in my opinion, the only ones that don't apply are biological experiments. Israel, Israel doesn't conduct biological experiments on Palestinians. And the other was forced conscription. Right, they they don't force the the Palestinians mm-hmm. to join the Israeli army. Everything else, as far as I can see, is there's plenty to talk about. Wow, yeah, and there's a lot there. Now, the first of many prices to pay for speaking out, expressing unpopular opinions, one would expect to come from one's neighbors. Now, you are a Jewish Israeli. You are not exactly a shrinking violet. <laughs> your writing is yeah. very public. How is your support? for the war crimes investigation being received by your neighbors. How tough is that? Um, <clears throat> I don't know. Frankly, I don't know if they read it because I wrote it in Mondawai. I tell you what, I wrote it in Mondawai. Oh, right. I don't think they read Mondawai. Probably not. Um, but I'll tell you, um, I wouldn't have raised... I mean, like, I went, look, I went out with some friends the other night, and most of them, I'm sure, some of them I know are very liberal, very liberal. Uh, one of them, maybe, I think, would go along with the idea of a war crimes investigation. The others, you know, might not feel comfortable about it. Um, I didn't bring it up because, you know, who needs to talk about politics? We're just, you know, sitting around drinking. It was somebody's birthday. Why, why talk about it? It's not something I would talk about anyway. It's not uh-huh. something I would talk about anyway. But as far as with my neighbor, I don't forget my neighbors, but let's say my friends, even if they don't agree with me, I, they, they know basically where I'm coming from. And I can say whatever I want at any time, you know? 
And I mean, I didn't bring it up that Friday on Friday because it just wasn't, it just wasn't, it didn't fit the mood. Who needs to talk about it? You don't have to talk about this stuff all that. Basically with my friends, I can say anything I want to right. they agree with me or don't. Well, I think, I think one thing being Jewish myself, there's the old joke, you know, if you get four Jews together, you get five. You're kidding. Your name is Cohen and you're Jewish. That's I know. What, what a shock. You thought yeah. it was Irish, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, if you get four Jews together, you get five different opinions. And in, in Israel, there's a lot of political parties. You know, here in the United States, uh, I, I think there's, it's, it's much more of uh, an assumption, shall we say, that, that a lot of Jews are also Zionists and, and wouldn't criticize Israel as much. But I think, you know, isn't it true? My understanding in, in Israel is that... Uh, there's always a lot of different opinions and that are expressed, right? Um, on the big issues, no. Ooh. On the big issues, no. And I want to quote something that Gidon Levy, who's a columnist at Haaretz, something he said back in 2008. He said, it used to be that if you get two Jews together, you get three opinions. Right. Now you, now you only get one. And that's true. Wow. That's true. If we're yeah, if we're talking about the occupation, certainly if we're talking about the wars that Israel starts every few years, or at least used to start every few years, there is one opinion. You know, oh. yeah, that's that's what's changed in Israel. The left has imploded. There's really it's a it's a it's a fringe phenomenon in in Israeli politics. Okay, they get a few seats in the Knesset, and that's all. Yeah. There's no longer it's no longer a struggle between you know the right and the left between let's say the nationalist camp and the peace camp the peace camp has has been decimated it doesn't really it doesn't exist anymore oh it's, or if you if it does it's tiny it's tiny today mainly the um well now there's a new issue and that's netanyahu's uh <clears throat> criminality yes. he's under indictment so that's the big the big issue in the election today that's going to be next tuesday is netanyahu you know, yeah. he's between his criminality and his mishandling, at least his early mishandling, or no, in, in the middle stage. If, if there are th let's say there are three stages to the coronavirus. Uh, the first one, he was okay. The third one, he was good. The second one, he was terrible. Um, so, uh, so, so he is the issue in this campaign. But what used to be the issue, meaning the issue of war and peace or yeah. war or peace, yeah. that's no longer an issue. Really? That's no longer an issue. Israel's doing great with the occupation. Uh, we've got everybody, you know, cowed, intimidated. We're, we're as safe as can be. We're much safer here in the U.S. than you are in America. Um, so that's not an issue. It's not an issue. Um, and ba mainly if we talk about the, the political struggle that there is over the issues of occupation and settlements and war, it's now, for, for many years, for many years, it's been uh, a struggle not between the left and the right, but between the right and the further right. Okay. That's, that's, that's the truth. That's the truth. And believe it or not, in that struggle, Netanyahu is the quote-unquote, is the relatively moderate right. Uh, <laughs> Okay. Well, is yeah. is it expected yeah. that, that that he'll probably win yet again? I mean, there is the it's, corruption yeah. thing, but there's also the other stuff too. What, what's your thought on that? Before we go into the other issues, you know, I got I gotta say, it's really it's I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Well, that's um, it's nice to have an election. Uh, you what, don't I, know. what I can't there, there's a couple things though that <clears throat> if Netanyahu wins with the right wing government that he wants. 
that he will officially, officially destroy what remains, the element that remains of, of Israeli democracy, meaning uh, he will pass the law. If he gets the, the right-wing majority he wants in his government, he'll pass it. This is, he hasn't made any bones about this. Uh, he'll pass a law that gets him out of trial. It lets him escape from trial. That's mm, one. Mm. And two, they'll, he'll pass a law that stops the Supreme Court from overriding, from overruling that, that Knesset law. It'll take away the Supreme Court's right to overrule any law that comes through the Knesset. And that, wow. you know, that's the end. That is officially with a, with a, with a red seal on it, yeah. the end of the last of Israeli democracy. That is one possibility. Wow. Another possibility is that he wins, but without a strictly right-wing government, he drags some, you know, some moderates, and maybe he does. Maybe he wins, and he doesn't get enough people to back him on those laws. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the second worst uh, possibility. The problem I see that from from the quote-unquote opposition, the quote-unquote opposition is an amalgam of far-right parties and center-left parties and Arab far-left parties. I don't see how they can function as a government. I'm not sure that they can form one at all. If they do form one, I don't see how they function. So at this point, I would say the most logical, seemingly possible outcome is that Netanyahu wins again. Yeah. That, 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 would be my guess. that would be my guess. And I wonder how that would... And, have... the, and, the, and, and the main issue, like I said, the main issue is going to be whether right. he has a solid right-wing government that will allow him to pass those laws that will, you know, break the back of Israeli democracy. And there was that whole uh, nationalist uh, uh, law that was passed uh, a couple of years ago. I don't remember exactly about that, but that's... The nation-state law. <laughs> and, uh, the nation-state law. Briefly, what did that do? Well, it just it, it codified in law the idea that only the Jews have uh, right. the right to self to national self determination in Israel. Mm. I, I think really I don't know if the law had any real much practical effect. Uh-huh. It did have tremendous symbolic effect. It was basic as far as I was concerned. It was just you know it was the right wing government you know as they love to do uh, rub it in the face of the Arabs. Yeah. You know Great. the law didn't say anything that doesn't exist. The law didn't right. say anything yeah. new. I mean, the, I mean, the tenets of the law are are the way of life in Israel, but they just wanted to, you know, uh-huh. make it even clearer to rub it in their face. That's that's really what I thought the law did. No, oh, how lovely. Well, how does how does this all relate to the investigation? And you know, does does the outcome of the election have anything to do with the uh, investigation going forward by the International Criminal Court no, at the Hague? No, no. Everybody, everybody except for the Arab parties and maybe, maybe the left-wing Zionist uh, party merits. Maybe, you know, the, 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 okay, the, the, the Arab parties are definitely in favor of the investigation. Oh, yeah. the, the merits party, the leader said something. He didn't come out in favor of it, but he said that, you know, you know, basically that Israel brought this on itself, that the right wing of Israel with the settlements, you know, you know, brought it on itself. Uh, he didn't say that he's in favor of it. Basically, there, there's no Jewish party that's going to come come out and say that they're in favor of this. No, there's no pressure. And even, you know, it's just, no, well, the, the election will have nothing to do with, with the investigation. For those who may have just tuned in, Bert Cohen here. Uh, Keeping Democracy Alive is the show. And we're talking about... Uh, Should The Hague investigate Israel for war crimes? And we're speaking with Larry Durfner in Israel. What uh, town or city are you in there? It's called Modi'in. 
and it's a relatively new city, about 100,000 people. It's uh, midway between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. Uh-huh. It's just on this side of the green line that you know divides Israel proper from uh, from the West Bank. Uh-huh. Uh, politically, it's it's well, it's very secular. It's very secular. So politically, it's slightly, slightly more liberal than than the mean or the average in Israel. Yeah, I'm sure there's very. It's a great town. It's a great town. I have to. I have to say. That. And I'm sure the weather is better than it is here in New Hampshire in the USA. It's cold. It's really cold. Anyway. Yeah. So, so what? Yeah, what are yeah. the arguments against an investigation? Well, the arguments are are well. The, the main one by Netanyahu and the right wing and his you know right wing supporters, I guess, in America. Oh God, is is that they say you know how can they investigate Israel and not Syria and Iran and countries and I I, I wrote about this in the yeah article. yeah yeah you know how can they how can they not investigate those other countries and their conclusion naturally is well it's anti-Semitism uh-huh. and that you know that that's pathetic I mean it's just pathetic and unfortunately a lot of people actually believe that yes. you know it's disgusting it's really just sickening to talk like that to lie like that. Um, the country, the reason that the ICC, the Hague, doesn't investigate uh, Iran and Syria and um, all sorts Arabia of other countries, China, yeah. uh, Saudi Arabia and Zimbabwe and North Korea and uh, Yemen and Iran and all these countries that on the, on the surface, you know, do do worse things than Israel does. Um, they don't investigate those countries because the court... You know, the court was set up by, by a bunch of countries, right? And the the charter for the court was that um, they can only investigate a country that asks them to investigate and that gives the, con- gives the court jurisdiction over their country. Um, so Iran hasn't given uh, the court jurisdiction to investigate Iranian crimes. Uh, so neither have those other countries. But here's the, here's the lacuna or whatever you call it. Uh, Israel hasn't given the ICC jurisdiction to investigate Israel either. Uh-huh. However, Palestine, which uh-huh. is recognized by the by the UN General Assembly as a as a non-member observer state, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to to one degree or another, a state, yes, which you have to be to to recognize the jurisdiction of the ICC. Palestine asked the ICC to investigate Israel's crimes, which took place in Palestine, yeah. according to the UN General Assembly's recognition. On that basis, uh-huh. um, the ICC said, yeah, we have the jurisdiction to do this. And it's, not the, it's not the only time. They also did it, um, they're investig- like Myanmar, what used to be called Burma, right. is not a signatory to, uh, to the ICC, does not grant them jurisdiction over Myanmar. Mm. Uh, so the ICC could not investigate Myanmar for the expulsion and, and, and war crimes against yeah. the Rohingya. Yeah. yeah, that population. But what happened is that the Rohingya have been pushed, or a lot of them have been pushed, into Bangladesh. Right. Bangladesh has granted uh-huh. the ICC jurisdiction, so now the ICC is already investigating the crimes of Myanmar against the Rohingya that took place in Bangladesh. And it's basically the same principle that's operating here with the investigation of what Israel is doing in Palestine. Yeah. That explains it very well. I appreciate that because it, it is confusing. And it's like, yeah, 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 and that ain't anti-Semitism, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's easy for you and I to recognize anti-Semitism. We know, uh, but <laughs> I recognize what it, where, where, what it isn't too. 
Yeah, to recognize what it isn't. Good point. I mean, there's the nation of the state of Israel, then there's the people Israel, of which I am part and you are part. And it is uh, yeah. qu quite, quite different. And, you know, yeah. one, one difference between the crimes of Saudi Arabia and Iran in Yemen is that their persecution yeah. is taking place in a foreign state. So can they just get yeah. away with it? I mean, what, what other remedies might apply to them? Because what's happening in Yemen is oh, horrible. Can they get yeah, away with it? But there, there, there you have, yeah, there you have Saudi Arabia and Iran and Yemen, all, you know, or none of them accepting the jurisdiction of the ICC. Right. And the ICC was asked about God. that. And they said, no, we can't do anything about it. They were asked also, but no, I don't know if they were asked about that. They were asked about what China is doing to the, I don't know how to pronounce the word, the U. Uyghur. Uyghur. I think so. Uyghur. I don't I know. But we know who you Okay. Anyway, so they, they've been challenged by human rights uh, groups um, on to, to investigate what China is doing to the Jaeger, however you pronounce it, right? Yeah. And they said, we can't. China is not a signatory oh, wow. to the ICC. We don't have jurisdiction over China. So they can't. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Um, it, it, that, uh, that's one of the things that ain't so great about the ICC. And, you know, because, when, because the limitations, yeah. you know... You know, many of the worst offenders in the world get off scot-free. Wow. Well, how did the ICC... I don't remember how the ICC came about. Was it something to do with the Rome Statute? Did that create it, or is that something yeah. distinct? No, the Rome Statute, which was signed originally by, I don't know, but, well, now it's been signed by, I think, 123 countries. Wow. Uh, this was in the late 1990s, I think, if I'm not mistaken, um, they they put together the Rome Statute, and everybody uh, everybody who signed it it become accepts the jurisdiction of the ICC. And the Rome Statute is what establishes the ICC and what sets down you know the crimes that they can investigate. That sets down the uh -huh. way they they investigate. Basically, the Rome Statute said this is a court that will you know adjudicate um, you know war crimes. Uh, do you and 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 if you if you sign it, you sign it, and if you don't, you're free. You're you're free. Wow. That's the, the the Rome Statute simply establishes the court for for every for every country to either accept or not accept. Mm. And so most of them uh, don't. I mean, Israel didn't sign it. Most no most most countries have accepted. I think 123. Uh, Israel hasn't. The United States hasn't. Uh, China hasn't. I think Russia hasn't. And Su uh, Sudan uh, hasn't either. But they're being prosecuted, right? No, no, right. Right. Sudan is under investigation for uh, for the genocide uh, in, in Darfur, which is part of uh, Sudan. And Sudan is not a signatory, but the ICC is investigating, is investigating it over Darfur because if the UN Security Council refers a case, recommends that or asks the ICC to investigate you know, certain war crimes or alleged war crimes in a country that doesn't accept uh, the ICC's jurisdiction, the ICC can then do it, right? That's also part of their charter. And so it was the UN Security Council that recommended or that asked the ICC to investigate Sudan over Darfur, and the ICC is doing that. Uh-huh. That makes sense. It's problem is, problem is that, you know, some of these investigations, ICC is investigating about a dozen countries now. Some of them have been going on for almost 20 years, you know, and um, there are very there are a few people have gone to prison, wow. you know, not many. 
Uh, I think 40 some odd people have been indicted. I think four people have gone to prison, something like that. Um, no, no, maybe not four. Maybe I don't know, eight, something like that. And um, so it's not much. Yeah, it's it's not really a very effective court. It doesn't. Uh, investigations go on forever, and until somebody comes to judge to justice, you know, everybody can die. No, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, no. Was it the ICC that was involved in in uh, some of the uh, war crimes that happened in the former Yugoslavia? Because uh, there was some... Yeah, yeah, the Balkans, yeah. The Balkans, yeah. yeah. So the yeah. ICC they, was involved they, there, and they did carry out some yeah. uh, punishments there. Yeah, they did. Let's see, let's see. What's his name? Milosevic, I think. Something like yeah. that. yeah. So they have yeah. so they they can do things if they want to, but I I would think, you know, just in terms of uh, you know public relations. Well, you know what you, you know what you know what Bert? I'm not you know I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. Let me let me just uh, check that well, out. Well, as as you're looking at that, I mean, just yeah, be, yeah. being taken to the to the court is sort of a black eye in terms of public relations. I would think so. That's why you know it it, it does matter. Yeah. And so why the U.S. Yeah, but first you got to get them to court. Well, you got to get them to court. The only way, yeah. if we're talking about uh, Israelis, let's say, let's say, um, let's say the ICC starts investigating, and uh, let me just let's say the ICC starts investigating, and uh, then decides to indict somebody. Let's say they decide to indict Netanyahu, right? Well, you know they can't come in. Israel will not let them in. <laughs> you know they they have to what they're going to send uh, they're going to send armed guards or something into Israel to to arrest uh, to arrest Netanyahu to arrest an army general something like that. That's just not going to happen. So they would have to catch them. They would have to catch these people when they're standing. You know when they're outside in a foreign country that agrees to extradite them. Uh, I don't. I can't. I can't imagine any any Israeli under suspicion you know, open to possible indictment, going to any country yeah. where there was any chance of them being extradited to, to the Hague. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I can um, see that. And by the way, I did you know what? I did a little quick research, and yes, indeed, Slobodan Milosevic, as well as Radovan Karadzic, uh, faced the ICC, and Milosevic uh, faced 66 counts of crimes against humanity, genocide, and war crimes. Uh-huh. So they can they can do things that, right. that's for sure, and yeah, Net, yeah. Netanyahu defends Israel uh, and the and the Israeli actions. But what about what about specifically the Jewish settlements in the West Bank? In what ways specifically might the Israeli government be guilty of crimes for carrying out its policy there? Just in case people are not following and are not in uh, Israel or the West Bank. But that's um, yeah. What's happening under, under that clause? It's uh, under that clause. Um, what's so clause? what? What is Israel doing there? They're they're are they moving people out, uh, Palestinians out, and moving uh, Jewish people in? And I know there's that whole policy they're, of destroying yeah. I mean, homes. but they're mainly all they have to all all it has to be to 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 fall under you know the heading of war crimes is for quote the transfer directly or indirectly by the occupying power that's Israel yes. of parts of its own civilian population yes. into the territory it occupies which is the West Bank ah, that's pretty so, clear so that's what the settlements are the settlements are Israel you know sending or allowing or encouraging or whatever or not stopping yeah. uh, Israeli civilians from Israel into the West Bank to live there to settle there and it's, it's it's yeah. Haven't they been declared right. illegal settlements somewhere along the lines, like by the UN or something like that? 
They've been the a lot of a lot of the United States used to refer to them as illegal. Yeah. And they stopped. <laughs> but, you know, so so, you know, so let's say the European European Union, I don't know if yeah. they still call them illegal. But all these people used to call it illegal. Did it? Did it change anything? Did it affect anything? You True. Know? Good point. It's, it's words. That's all it was. Nobody was ever willing to make Israel pay a price. Yeah. Just, you know. And yeah. That, that. That. By the way. That. By the way. Is I think what separates. What separates? Uh, I don't know the sheep from the goats, the liberals from the serious people. I don't know what. Yeah. What separates people who I would call seriously against the occupation in Israel and the people I would say are just giving it lip service and are hypocrites are, is the question of whether or not, okay, you say you're against the occupation. Are you willing to make Israel pay a price for it? Wow. And that's where a whole lot of people get off the bus, <laughs> such as, <laughs> such as with, uh, with the war crimes investigation, you know? A lot of people will say, and they, you know, they're going to write op-eds and they'll sign petitions and say, oh, this is hurting, this is terrible, it's all this stuff. But will they make Israel pay a price? Will they hold Israel in any way accountable for it? Israel has never been held accountable for what it does. You know, and a war crimes investigation, if you think about it, it's pretty minor. It's pretty negligible, you know. I mean, nobody's talking about bombing Israel. Nobody's talking about boy, a boy, yeah, a boycott. There's no country that's boycotting Israel, or no right. country in the West certainly that's boycotting Israel. You know, but and this this is where all these good liberal, uh, <clears throat> well-intentioned um, supporters of Israel uh, fail. You know, they're yeah. willing to talk, but they, there's a line that they will not cross. They will not cross the line of holding Israel accountable. And as long as Israel is not held accountable for the occupation, it goes on with it. Well, you're reminding me, uh, I'll show my age here, during the uh, America's War in Vietnam, there was a, a pretty yeah. clear distinction between you know, liberals who were critical of the war and people yeah. who were really trying to do something about actually ending the war. That was a, a, b yeah. a big difference. And uh, yeah, that went on for yeah. a long time. And, you know, free speech advocates, you talk about uh, boycott. Free speech advocates here in America are outraged that many members of both houses of Congress and leaders of state governments, including our own New Hampshire's own Maggie Hassan, who's up in 22, hint, hint, have they, they've banned or support bans on just expressing support for boycott, divest, and sanction. Yeah. How, how effective is boycott, divest, and sanction? And, and how, you know, I wonder, well, it seems pretty clear how it is that so many uh, leaders in both parties uh, want to ban even talking about boycott, divest, and sanction, the pressure on them, I can yeah. imagine. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think this is, well, you asked what effect it has. Yeah. Um, I think this is sort of the sad thing both about BDS and possibly even about the war crimes investigation That's it. is that it actually paradoxically redounds to Israel's benefit. I mean, the BDS, yeah. you know, how much, you know, the BDS on what, on, on SodaStream, right. what did it do to Israel? Did it hurt the Israeli economy? Did the Israeli economy feel it? No, absolutely not. Okay. But what Israel has done, it used the BDS you know, it used BDS as a whipping boy, you know, to claim anti-Semitism 
and to gather support and to rally the troops and everything, oh, wow. you know? And I'm afraid, I'm just afraid that the same thing could very easily happen with this ICC investigation, ah. the, that the investigation isn't really hurting Israel in any material way. And most of the West already, I mean, the United States and Europe and Germany, they're all backing Israel. They're trying to help Israel get out of this jam. They're saying it's unfair. They don't say it's anti-Semitic. They say it's, it's, it's inequitable. The Biden administration is behind Israel and against the ICC on mm-hmm. this, you know. So, so if the only people who get behind the ICC internationally are the people who are already against Israel. And, uh, wow. you know, all the, all, the, all the pro-Israel side of the world, the West, basically, right. just, you know, is, is, is allowed, is, is swept up in this, this Israeli campaign that how unfair and you've been, we've been victimized, you know, right. then, then Israel, I'm afraid, could turn this war crimes investigation to its advantage, like it did, like it did the BDS campaign. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Public relations yeah. does matter quite a bit, how you communicate. For those who may have just tuned in, Bert Cohen here. We're talking with Larry uh, Durfner in Israel uh, about his uh, article in Mondoweiss titled, Yes, the Hague is Right to Investigate Israel for War Crimes. Boy, there's a lot to it. It's really interesting. And, and you, Netanyahu says that all Israel is doing, you know, with regard to these... Uh, offensive actions, as some could see as quite offensive and even war crimes. He says they are, quote, defending itself against terrorists who murder our children and rocket our cities. That seems to uh, resonate a lot here in America. And unquestioned support for Israel is powerful among Jewish Americans. And no doubt they would give the same argument. What's your reaction to that? Well, I think it's ironic that Netanyahu, of all people, is talking about terrorism because the party that he leads, the Likud, was founded by master terrorists. Menachem Begin was a master terrorist. He was responsible for the single bloodiest act of terror in the history of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Mm. He blew up the uh, the King David Hotel, killed 91 people. Okay, Mm. the number, the second, the second. Prime Minister from Likud was Yitzhak Shamir. He was even a more ruthless terrorist before the State of Israel was founded. Even a more ruthless terrorist than uh, than Begin was. There are these people. The hospital near my home is named after Yitzhak Shamir. So much has been named after after Begin. You go to Israel. You go to Jerusalem. There, or you go to Ramadan. There are plaques to the places where these terrorist groups hid weapons. You know, against the British and against the Arabs. So you know, for 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 him to talk about terrorism is the height of hypocrisy. But you know, nobody went. Nobody ever went broke on you know uh, mm-hmm. underestimating or overestimating uh, hypocrisy. <laughs> um, the uh, as far as the rest of it, um, you know. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, you know, when Israel when Israel was under British occupation, right? Um, the, the people who founded the Likud killed the British, and when they were at war with the Arabs, this was a, a war of terror on both sides. The Arabs used terror against the Jews, and the Jews the 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 followers of, uh, of of Begin and Shamir used terrorism against the Arabs. They blew up markets. They blew up buses. They blew up buildings. They killed civilians. Okay, because they weren't free. Because they demanded freedom and sovereignty in the country, and they felt that Britain was an illegal occupier. I don't see what the difference between what the no. Jews did 
in mandatory Palestine, how that's different from what Palestinian terrorists are doing today. Israel is occupying their land. Israel has taken away their freedom. Israel has all the power. They're fighting back. You know, we can argue about some of the tactics. I mean, I'm certainly against, God forbid, any attack on children, okay? But if we're talking about, you know, um, a people that has one billionth of the military power of of the state that occupies them, do they have the right to resist violently? They have every bit the same right to resist violently as the Jews did in in mandatory Palestine, as the African National Congress did in apartheid South Africa, as as the the Kikuyu in Kenya had to, 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 to fight the British in Kenya, on and on and on. This is classic. This is a classic colonial military dictatorship. The subject people have the right to fight back, and that's what the Palestinians are doing. And to hear this sort of nonsense about terrorism and oh, we're just our backs against the wall, against by by, by a government and a prime minister whose whose whole political background, their whole political family tree is 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 loaded with terrorists from top to bottom. Mm. For them to complain, it's just terrible. It just it's 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 crazy. It's the height of hypocrisy. They're terrorists against terrorism. Wow, hypocrisy in politics. Wow, what a surprise! Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and I think this is interesting. You say, while Israel is no means the world's worst malefactor, it is definitely the world's most lavishly indulged one. And you talk about you know billions of dollars uh, from the United States. There's massive, massive aid from the U.S. On many fronts, including political protection. Tell us about that, please. Yeah. And talk about up against well, the, the wall. Political pro- Go ahead. The political protection. The, the most obvious one is that you know, um, the UN Security, the United States protects Israel in the UN Security Council against any against any gesture, against any censure, against it protects them against you know if somebody else wanted to wanted to uh, refer Israel's. Uh, you know the occupation to the ICC. It's 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 America that would veto it in the UN Security Council. That's on top of the 3.8 billion dollars that 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 the United States gives Israel every year. Israel being a very very prosperous country. Okay, okay. The American taxpayers are paying to 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 subsidize not a poor country but a prosperous country. Okay. Yeah. So Israel gets 3.8 billion dollars from the United States. It gets. Absolute guaranteed protection, the UN Security Council from the United States. And if you see the reaction to the ICC's uh, announcement that it's going to investigate Israel for war crimes, America, even Biden, you know, America came to Israel's side. Germany came to Israel's side. Canada came to Israel's side. There are all these, you know, Western powerful countries that, that's, that, that protect Israel, that do everything it can to protect Israel from ever being held accountable mm. for this occupation that they claim to oppose. Okay, mm. that's 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 Western hypocrisy. That's Western hypocrisy. They say, "Oh, we want two-state solution. Oh, we need freedom. Oh, we want all this crap." But when it comes time to, are you going to cross that line and make Israel pay a price for it? They say, "Hell no," and they will stand up against anybody who tries. Yeah, so it seems, and you, as you can imagine, I have you know I've been critical of policies of the state of Israel and. You probably can guess the phrase that's come at me, that I'm a self-hating Jew. And the it couldn't yeah. be further from the truth. I mean, I feel like 
I am proud of the Jewish heritage of standing up for justice, for being for ethics, for standing against racism. And I feel like out of that, from that, I have to criticize. And I, I think that that's, I can't help but think that that's, uh, uh, that sense is part of the reason why so many political leaders on both sides of the aisle are reluctant to hold Israel accountable because, I mean, I would think, you know, one can, and I think it's important to separate Jewish religion from the Israeli government. One is a religion, one is a nationalism. So I, I do yeah. frustrated yeah. by that. And what about... Yeah, no, I think, I, think, I think Israel has become everything the Jews ever hated, you know? It's, uh -huh. uh, it's, uh, I mean, the Jews in the diaspora were the outsiders, the, the, the helpless, uh, powerless outsiders, yeah? Uh, who were vulnerable to the, uh, to the whims of the worst people in the majority. Israel in Israel, the Jews are the majority, and we yes. have all the power. Yes, and we crush the outsiders. We crush any. We we you know, we 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 keep we keep the Palestinians down. We crush anybody who tries to resist that, and anybody among the Jews who speaks out against it. Meaning, meaning the left, yeah. the, the the leftists, they don't get you know nothing will happen to me. I'm not I'm not important enough for them to you know try to right. go out of their way to crush. Uh, but when the head of, um, if anybody, if, if, if Meretz, for instance, comes out uh, really strongly and clearly in favor of this war crimes uh, investigation, they'll pay a price. They'll right. pay a price. Meretz, you know, the left, why has the left imploded? You know, because the people don't want to hear about it. Mm. People don't want to hear about it. The public, you know, likes things as they are. And... Um, yeah, so yeah. it seems. So yeah. people people don't want to see what they don't want to see. That's for sure. And you know, the American far right evangelicals who are not Jewish adored Donald Trump and see the state of Israel in a similar fashion. You know, Israel can do yeah. no wrong. How does this affect Israeli politics and any pressure on the system of justice as it's applied to Palestinians? Um, the well, right the evangelical, yeah. the right-wing evangelical support in America has been very important to, to to Israel, and really the guy who really founded that connection between Israel and the evangelicals was was Bibi Netanyahu, and well before he became prime minister, he was ambassador to the UN in late '80s and early '90s. I did not know that. My goodness, that is interesting. That I that because they don't care about. Uh, Jewish stuff. They just have this sense about the rapture and that that's where all the good people will be. It's it's a little bit nuts, in my opinion, but they do have a lot of political power. The evangelical support for Israel, I think, um, well, it certainly helped when Trump was there. You know, when Trump was in power, between Trump and the evangelicals, I mean, Netanyahu did what the hell he wanted to do. <laughs> you know, the right wing never had it so good. Now, with Biden in... Uh, the evangelicals are still a check on his, on American policy. You know, the evangelicals and the right wing in America are, are a check on, on American policy toward Israel and a check on American policy towards Iran, too. Um, but I, I, I think if you, if, if you want to talk about, you know, you know the totality of, of, of American policy, its effect on Israel, uh, or, or what drives American policy on Israel, I think a big thing is that since uh, 9-11, um, since ni after 9-11, basically, you know, the world of Islamic fundamentalism and Islamic militancy 
replace the communists as, right, as sure. America's number one enemy. Oh, absolutely. And who is the symbol of, of anti, anti-Muslim fundamentalism, uh-huh. anti-Muslim is, is, you know, militants, anti-Muslim period? That's Israel. Yeah. That's Israel. And so I think what happened after 9-11 was while, you know, there, there was always a great deal of, of sympathy in America for, for Israel from the beginning. Um, for for various reasons, you know, a lot of good reasons too. Um, sure. But after nine eleven, I think it became be- that that if you were in America, if you opposed Israel, that you were in a sense also opposing America, right? Because wow. Israel and America had the same chief enemy, and so nine eleven. And Netanyahu even said this immediately after nine eleven. He said he said th- he thought it was going it was going to help Israel, and he was right. Wow. He was right, you know, when the when when the when 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 Al Qaeda attacked um, attacked uh, you know New York, Israel was one of the one of the best things that happened to Israel politically. It's true, it's true. And so, but that but, but I'm saying that that that's one of the things that makes it very hard in America to go against Israel. You go against if you if you're helping if you go against Israel, then you're helping Israel's enemies, and if you're helping Israel's enemies, you're helping America's enemies. It's a dangerous thing. Wow, it really is. And yeah. there's most members of Congress, I think, don't you know shy away from this as quickly as they can. But there yeah. is a U.S. Congresswoman Betty McCollum, who has yeah. led efforts in Congress to hold Israel accountable, and she brought yeah. up uh, and she recently denounced the arrest of Palestinian children by Israeli soldiers in the occupied West Bank. Yeah. And she has a statement about that. Yeah. And the Israeli human rights group B'Tselem had reported that yeah. five. And this is from her. Five uh, Palestinians aged 8 to 12 had been detained yeah. by the Israeli military in the West Bank near the settlement of Havat Maon, south of Hebron, for picking wild yeah. vegetables. The group yeah. shared footage of Israeli troops in combat gear pushing visibly terrified Palestinian children into military vehicles. At one point, an yeah. older child tried to rescue another minor who was being escorted by a soldier only to be yanked away by another officer. This is from yeah. Congresswoman McCollum. Seeing the images of heavily armed Israeli soldiers manhandling and detaining these five preteen Palestinian children is very disturbing to her, she says. How rare is this kind of thing? Is this rare or is it common? Has the government issued um, any kind of statement of regret or apology? I mean, kids, 8 to 12? By, by the way, those kids, they were released that night. So they, they were detained, I think, from roughly about... Two o'clock in the afternoon, if I'm not mistaken, till about nine o'clock in the evening. So they were they were released. Um, yeah, no, you you have you have the army every now and then. You read about them, yeah, arresting children, yeah, for sure, absolutely. And doesn't this absolutely. kind of guarantee more <laughs> soldiers for the uh, cause against you know Israel and for I mean, how can it not make these young Palestinian kids really angry? I I don't know how. I mean, is it is it working? Is it, is yes, it, it is working. Yeah, yes, it's working. Uh, the Palestinians they get angry, but there's very little they do, because Israel has beaten them too badly and too many times. Uh, I mean, do you do you hear about uh, major? You know, no. You, you don't hear about much uh, violent resistance from the Palestinians. And look what happened in Gaza. The marches of return. They marched to the fence. They tried to get through the fence. They threw stuff at the, at the soldiers. I think, if I'm not mistaken, one Israeli soldier was killed. If I'm not mistaken, uh, over 200 Palestinians were killed. So, yeah. oh. is that an effective war? 
Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I mean that that's 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 another thing that the liberals. I hope I hope they're beginning to see, after all those decades of saying that you know this is unsustainable. You know, it's so sustainable. It's been so sustainable. Wow. It's worked so well. You know, the you know injustice has won. And we're talking about trying to bring the state of Israel, the government of Israel, to uh, the International Criminal Court at The Hague to see if perhaps there can be some justice done. But I guess when you have all the power and all the violence, and that's, you know, really what what power is, really is, is violence. And as an old uh, college professor of mine said, that uh, politics is the economy of violence. You know, if they don't have to use it all the time to know that it is there. And... There's some really <clears throat> interesting people, shall we say, in the Knesset. There, back in 2014, I'm not sure if I'll pronounce this right, Ayelet Shaked, who's a member yeah. of the Israeli... He issued posts which is considered a call for genocide because they declared, quote, the entire Palestinian people is the enemy. And he justified its destruction, including its elderly and its women. They have to die and their houses should be demolished so that they cannot bear any more terrorists, said Shaked. How were her comments received? And compare the reception with that for your support with the IC- for the ICC investigation. Well, again, I, I've got no flag zero, and I won't get any flag from my writing that article. It's no, no big deal. Uh, Ayala Shaked, what she was doing, as I recall, is she was quoting an article by somebody, some right-wing settler who wrote something. Um you know, to be to be fair, I don't think that that Ayala Chaket is, is seriously calling for genocide. She is seriously calling for brutality, <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't say that she's calling for genocide. How did it affect her? I mean, these are the kinds of things, you know. So it's a it's a minor embarrassment at most. At most, it probably gained her more support than you know. So some left wing or some liberals are going to cluck their tongues. You know, uh-huh. she's going to get so much more support from the people who love her. I mean, you know, okay, I don't think that she's calling for genocide. I don't think she, she that's 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 what she seeks but she does obviously she and you know half the other politicians in this country do play on antagonism and hostility toward Arabs is it and and they get away with it and it works I mean Netanyahu wins election after election on that platform he he, he foments hatred against Arabs and it always pays off that's where we're at that's where this country's at there are those in America and I imagine in, in Western Europe as well who refer to uh, apartheid in Israel, and other people bristle at that word. What are your thoughts on there? You're right there. Yeah, I personally, I I don't use the term apartheid Mm -hmm. to to describe what's going on, because apartheid was a racial racial, uh, Uh system, you know? It... uh, you know, there were laws against, you know, blacks and whites sleeping together, living together. Uh, there were, diff- you know, they broke up, uh, they broke up blacks, whites, and and coloreds, and Indians. You know, they had all right. these racial classifications. What's going on in the West Bank is, is not, it's not racial. It's not racial. It's national. I, I look at it, I don't use the term, put it this way, I don't, it doesn't bother me if somebody uses the term apartheid because I think what Israel's doing there is every bit as bad as apartheid. Yeah. It's just not done on, it's just not done on the basis of race. It's done on the uh. basis of, of, of nationality or political, you know, yeah. Who, I, what it definitely is, is colonialism. Yes. What it definitely is, is military dictatorship. You know, what it definitely is, is tyranny. 
So once you said that, which I think are all accurate yes. descriptions, yes. you know, why stretch it into something that's inaccurate, which I think apartheid uh, is. Another one that's even more inaccurate is genocide. It's not genocide. It's not genocide. Right. It's 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 a tyrannical colonial military dictatorship. Ain't that enough? <laughs> you know, I mean, doesn't that kind of you know? And when you use words get that cross the problem, yeah. When I'm you use sorry, words, what? when you use words that don't really fit, it sort of detracts from from I your think argument. So. I, you know, people, I think so. I think so. Yeah. So I think so. You you write talk about colonialism. You write that Israel imposed a colonial military dictatorship on Palestine in 1967. End of quote. Many yeah. Israelis and the supporters would not like that choice of words. What do you say in response? Colonial military okay. dictatorship. If somebody can tell me how it's not a colonial military <laughs> dictatorship, you know, I'll, 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 I'll retract it. Okay. But when you've got, you know, a population of now three million people in the West Bank, you know, who are under the military rule of their enemy, of a foreign country, their enemy that does not allow them freedom of movement, that doesn't allow them uh, voting rights, that doesn't allow them any kind of basic democratic human rights. That's in the West Bank. In Gaza, you have two million Palestinians who live under military siege by Israel. It's no longer colonial. Israel had colonies there, but they dismantled them in 2005. Okay? You can say it's not technically a dictatorship um, right. because you've got Hamas in there. The Israeli army isn't inside. But it does. Israel stops Gazans from leaving. It stops them from, 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 moving, from moving outside. It shoots at fishermen who fish far too far out at sea, for Christ's sake. What is that? What do you want to call that? Mm. You know? In the West Bank, I think it's a textbook colonial military dictatorship. Mm -hmm. In Gaza, it's merely a punishing military siege. Okay? <laughs> merely. Democracy it ain't. Democracy it ain't. You know? And, you know, a lot of us do value democracy. This show is called uh, Keeping Democracy Alive. I like democracy. How in danger is democracy in Israel, do you think? I mean, a lot of people say it's, you know, and have argued for years Israel is the only democracy in that region. No, I don't think it's a democracy. I, I, I think, in retrospect, you have to say that Israel forfeited it, its democracy in 1967. Mm. Okay, mm. when you when you when you have a military dictatorship over your country of nine million people, right. you have a military dictatorship over three million people who live in the land that you consider your country. Yeah, that where you, not only you consider it, it is your country. The West Bank really does belong. The West Bank effectively is Israel, and three million yeah. people there have no rights, have no democratic rights, okay? Then, like I said about Gaza, it's, it's some sort of gray zone over there. Uh, so I think that with the occupation, Israel sacrificed its democracy. But there are elements, but there's still parts of democracy that still exist. I think that the, uh -huh. the two, million Israeli Arab citizens, 2 million Arab citizens who live in Israel proper, not in the West Bank, but who live in Israel, there's terrible discrimination against them, but they, they do, that you can't call that dictatorship. You, you know, it's a segregated society. There's all, courts, all, all sorts of, like I said, Netanyahu wins elections by fomenting hatred against the Arab minority. Mm. But, but you can't call it, you know, you can't call it, you can say it's technically a democracy. They do right. have rights. They, right. do have, they certainly have the right to vote. They, they, have, they have representatives in the legislature. Um, they are, I would call them third-class citizens. Oof. But uh, but I wouldn't say that uh, that Israel within the the borders of Israel proper is not a democracy. Oh. Okay, so so there are elements in Israel that are that are democratic. 
Uh-huh. You do have courts. Sure. You do have courts that, uh, you know, on the other hand, you can say a country that has where the courts have put uh, a president and a prime minister in prison, as Israel did. Mm. That's a, that's a sign. I think you know the the legal system in Israel is is still not bad. Yeah, know? interesting. Not bad. Interesting. And I was wondering about the Israeli system of justice. Are they not up to the task? I mean, it's 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 not bad, as you say. But with regard but, to, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, but but on the issue of the occupation, yeah. I mean, you know, the courts, the Supreme Court, the High Court, they've done certain things to to limit what Israel could do. So put it this way: without the courts, the the, the occupation would be worse. Mm. But even with the courts, the occupation is plenty bad. So the the courts have not stopped the occupation by any means. By any means. Basically, the courts have approved it, just within within you know tighter limits than than Israeli governments would like. That's all. Well, one final. So question. no, but no, they are definitely not up to the task right. of 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 doing what the ICC intends to do. If Israel does not go to the Hague, could that be seen as a green light to keep on doing what it's doing? The Hague is going to investigate Israel. Oh, it is okay. Yeah, it, it yeah, the Hague is. Has said it will investigate Israel. That, that, yeah, I mean the investigation oh, is about to begin. Ah, how how effective it how effective it's going to be? You know, we'll see. I am well if there not are overly optimistic. Yeah, but if there are reporters there. The word will get out what they say. That's very uh, interesting. Well, this has been yeah. shed a lot of light into what's going on there. Uh, Larry Durfner, who has uh, written uh, uh, "No Country for Jewish Liberals" and has an upcoming memoir. Playing till we have to go, a Jewish childhood in inner city Los Angeles. And uh, his article is in uh, Mondo Weiss. Thank you so much for being here. May I just add one thing, Bert? Please do. The book, Playing Till We Have to Go, A Jewish Childhood in Inner City Los Angeles. It's available at Amazon.com. Ah. Okay? Okay. (laughs) Just wanted to mention that. All right. Why not? Thank you so much for being with us. And let's hope Thank you, Bert. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Good for you. Good for you. And take care. You, sir. Thank you.